and I'm thankful for a wife that knows that stuff. So there you go. All right, well, uh, go ahead and take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 3 John, verse 2 again, and then also Psalm 142. So two, two places here, 3 John, verse 2, and then Psalm 142. And then as you're finding those, if you would join me in standing, if you're able to do so, uh, for the reading of God's Word. Uh, 3 John, verse number 2. And uh, we looked at this passage uh, this morning, and this is kind of our uh, series verse, uh, verse number two, where John said to his well-beloved brother in the faith, Gaius, uh, verse number two, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And then uh, Psalm 142 and uh, I don't imagine your Bible has a little inscription between the chapter title and the actual verses where it says, uh, I think it says, Mass Chill of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. And then let's read this, uh, this whole psalm together. It says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this idea that you do desire that we would uh, prosper and, and have life, not just eternal life, but abundant life here on this earth. And uh, Lord, I thank you for um, your word that gives us instructions uh, that if we would apply those, if we would uh, take heed to those instructions, that uh, in many ways we would have that abundant life here on this earth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would Direct our thoughts and, and, and help us, Lord, to have a willingness to even change some things in our lives that would uh, help us to have this uh, prosperity uh, that, uh, that, that John wished for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as I mentioned this morning, we are triune beings uh, because we were created in the image of God. And God is a triune being, and, and, and we are therefore uh, also triune beings. We have body, soul, and spirit. And we looked at this morning uh, having spiritual prosperity, and that's far and away the most important area of our life to grow and thrive in. And uh, that also, and we, we mentioned this morning that each one of these kind of touches the others and affects the others. And uh, when we're right with God spiritually and we have a growing uh, relationship with the Lord, we're drawing closer to God through uh, daily time in the scriptures and daily time in prayer, then it's going to impact and have an effect in our physical life, our, our emotional life, and even our financial life. And, uh, and so they're, they're, they're all important, but uh, this morning we, we zeroed in and focused in on the spiritual uh, prosperity that uh, we can, uh, uh, some principles in the Word of God that we can apply to help us have spiritual prosperity. Well, tonight we're going to look at the emotional aspect of our lives. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the book of Psalms, as, as I've thought about it, um, has uh, really kind of the full gamut of emotions that are on display. Um, the writers of uh, these Psalms are 
all kinds of, on, on all ends of the spectrum of, of emotion. I mean, there's anger on display, there's pain, there's regret, there's gratitude, hope, despair, remorse, sadness, loneliness, among many other emotions are displayed in these psalms. And so when you're going through a time of emotional distress, uh, I always encourage people to read through the book of Psalms because uh, you don't have to read very long before you find someone who can relate with what you're going through or you can relate with what uh, they were going through anyway. Uh, now, obviously, uh, emotions, when you talk about the emotional well-being and uh, emotional prosperity, I mean, multiple thousands of books have been written on this particular subject, and, and here I am trying to, uh, you know, fit all of the, uh, the principles of the Word of God into one sermon. Um, good luck with that, you know, but, but, but I'm going to attempt to try to give us at least some practical uh, things in the Word of God that do help us, uh, that can help us have emotional well-being and, and health and, and uh, prosperity in this, in this year. And so tonight I want to share six practical principles from the Word of God to apply to a finding emotional prosperity and wellness this year. Um, and, you know, we're all going to, as we go through the year, we're going to be like the book of Psalms, right? We're going to have times of great gratitude, we're going to have times of great hope, but we're also going to have times where it's like we're tempted to be in despair and totally discouraged and feeling lonely like we're all alone and God has left us. Uh, we're going we're gonna to run through probably the gamut of the emotions found in the book of Psalms this year. And so these principles will help us to handle those moments and those times. What are these practical principles that we can apply? First of all, uh, number one here, think rightly about God. Think rightly about God. Um, Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3. Uh, it was a memory verse a couple times. Uh, we've had this as a memory verse. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on your problems. Uh, no, that may be in a different version of the Bible, but not in the King James. King James says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. You see, when, when our minds are fixed upon the Lord and focused on who God is, we can have peace no matter what is going on in our lives. And, and, you know, I hope that nobody in here has a difficult trial this year. But that's obviously not reality, is it? In fact, I think the reality is all of us will experience some type of trial this year. Um, hopefully, you know, um, I, I, I want God's blessings on every one of our lives and to, you know, this be the most blessed year you know, financially and with our families and with our church and, and everything to be all positive. I, that's what I would like, but, but, but we know that that's not reality. That's not life. Um, and so when we do go through the tribulations, and remember Jesus said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Thanks for that promise, Lord. <laughs> but that when we do, um, let's keep our minds focused upon God, not just our problems. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Uh, it was A.W. Tozer who said this, What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that quote again. And let it kind of sink into your heart and mind. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you think about God, what comes into your mind? Mean? Like, oh, I better not mess up or he's going to zap me. If that's what comes into your mind when God is mentioned, um, then that's not the God of the Bible. Um, but what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so, therefore, it's important for us to know what God's Word says about God so that when we go through these times of trial and tribulation, we don't get overwhelmed, okay? In Psalm 142, in verse number 3, 
David said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, um, if you've ever been there, uh, well, David can relate. Um, we need to think about who God is. Now, Philippians chapter number four and verse number eight says, finally, brethren, Paul says to the church at Philippi, whatsoever things, this is that verse, are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is what our mind should dwell upon, things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Who fits all of those descriptions? God does. The Lord does. Jesus does. And so, you know, I, I know, you know, we have things that we have to think about, work and, and family and, and the things that we have to do. I get that. But, um, but when we're going through a difficult time, let's, let's not just think and dwell upon the problem. Let's think about the Lord through the problem. And remember, it was Peter when he was walking on water. The problem, there was a storm that they were dealing with, and, and he, was, he was just dandy so long as he kept his eyes upon the Lord. But once he got his eyes off the Lord and onto the problem, then that's when he began to sink, and so it is with us. And so think rightly about God when we go through times of trial and tribulation. Okay, who is God? What is God? What are some descriptions of God? I just listed a few here, and I don't have references, although there's plenty of them in the Bible, but God is good. And uh, maybe you've heard this, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. There's never a time when God ceases to be good. Even if you are going through a time of trial and tribulation where it doesn't make sense, God's still good. And see, He's able to work all things together for good. And uh, we need to have that in our mind as we go through times of difficulty. God is just. I realize that there's, there's times in our life when it doesn't seem like what happened was fair. And we go, you know, that just isn't fair. It's not, it's not right that that happened to that person or to me. Um, but really, if life was, if God was, um, or if life was totally fair, all of us would, uh, what we really deserve is a place called hell, all of us. We, we all deserve to be incinerated and to be consumed. That's what the Bible says. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. So if, if we really wanted life to be fair, then we better be careful to not say that because <laughs> um, we really don't want life to be totally fair. But God is just, and one day He will work it all out. And he will sort it all out, and all the wrongs will be made right. God will do that. Now, it may not be in our timing and in our way, but, but that why, that's why he's God and you're not. So God is just, and, and we need to remember that and think rightly about who he is when we go through times where it's like, hey, this isn't fair, and we get all bent out of shape. God will sort it out. He will. Even if it doesn't get sorted out here on earth, he'll take care of it. But uh, next, God is righteous. God is right. What he does is right. He is righteous, and everything that he does is righteous. Next, God is sovereign. He is the authority in charge. He is always in control, and uh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he, in that, God never makes a mistake. There's never been an oops with God. Aren't you thankful for that? Okay, well, when you go through a time of trial, remember that. Think rightly about God in those times of difficulty. And this will help you to have emotional prosperity and emotional peace. But when we forget these things, that's when we start kind of going down the wrong path, right? And, and, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you're even there tonight. God is sovereign. He is in control. He never makes a mistake. Jesus doeth, remember, remember this verse in the book of Mark, Jesus doeth all things well. There's never been a thing that he hasn't done well. Say, well, well, this isn't working out like I want it to. I get it. 
I've been there, but Jesus doeth all things well. So here's my encouragement. Stop stressing and start thinking on the truth of who God is. Think rightly about God. And this thought, and I realize this kind of goes back to a more of a spiritual prosperity, but I mentioned they're all connected, aren't they? And, and when our spiritual life is right and our spiritual walk with God is healthy, then that's going to help us in the other areas of life. But when we're not right with God and we're not thinking about the Lord, then we're going to get kind of off track emotionally as well when uh, times come up that are out of our control. So first, think rightly about God. Number two, as we want to grow and prosper in this area of emotional well-being in our lives, uh, number two, invest in your relationships. Each one of us has relationships uh, with other people, family, friends, fellow church members, brothers and sisters in Christ, co-workers, neighbors, uh, people that we come in contact with and do business with and doctors and chiropractors that my family's hoping to go see tomorrow because everybody's been complaining about hurting backs for a long time. We try to go about every three weeks and we extended it to four because of the Christmas holiday and everybody's crying about it. And so we're going to try to go see our chiropractor. But, okay, so there's lots of people in our lives that we come in contact with, that we have relationships with. My encouragement for you is to invest in your relationships this year. So, in other words, stop looking for what you can get out of your relationships and start asking what you can invest and give in your relationships. There's a big difference. It was John F. Kennedy who said and was famous for saying, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Well, this year, uh, my encouragement and what I want to encourage our church family to do is to change it up and say, um, ask not what your relationships can do for you, but ask what you can do for your relationships. It was Jesus who said in Luke 6.31, And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise, i.e. the golden rule. Uh, treat others like you want to be treated. And, and take some initiative along these lines instead of saying, Hey, when are you going to meet my need? When are you going to uh, ask me to um, go out for coffee or, or to fellowship? When are you going to come and, and, and initiate the, the, the relationship? Instead, what I want to encourage you to do is to be the initiator this year. Is to uh, take some steps towards investing in the relationships in your life. This goes... Spouses, okay, whether you're a wife or a husband, take initiative this year in investing in your relationship. Uh, let's, let's let our, our, our marriage get closer and, and be, have the best year we've ever had by taking some steps towards that. Uh, maybe you can have a monthly date night where you, know, you kind of switch off by who's going to take the initiative and plan it all out. Invest in your relationships with your children. Um, we have four children, and one of them is getting close to graduating and moving off to college. Uh, time is flying by, and uh, we need to redeem the time and to invest in that relationship because pretty soon he'll be out of the nest, praise the Lord. I mean, uh, did, I, did I say that? Did that just come out of my mouth? Okay, scratch that from the tape. Um, but... Invest in the relationships that you have. Brothers and sisters at home, siblings, invest in those relationships. Um, because again, uh, those moments that you have at home are not going to be there forever. Um, they're, you know, your, your siblings are going to graduate soon and move on. And I'm kind of preaching this to my family, can you tell? Um, but also, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, this past year, uh, we lost a couple good brothers. We lost Brother Tom. And, uh, I, you know, I wish I would have given more time to Brother Tom and invested more time with him, but I am thankful that 
the birthday before he, he went to heaven, I had the privilege of taking him to Black Bear Diner for breakfast. And he and I uh, ate some good old-fashioned, good cooking food. And uh, we had some time together. I'm thankful for that time, and I don't regret that. So invest time in your relationships. First Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Peter says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. That, that's not, he didn't say have flippant charity. <laughs> fervent. Invest in your relationships. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And then he says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Um, let's, let's, get, let's do some fellowship in our church. Uh, now that, okay, COVID's not over, I get that. But you know what? We can't let COVID derail us from doing what God has called us to do. Um, we can be safe and all of that, but I would encourage us to, to, have, to do some fellowship this year with one another in our church. And uh, take, some, take some initiative. Find somebody who, who, who maybe isn't going to go asking everybody out for, uh, to go to Brahms or something like that, and you go invite them to, co- to go to Brahms. Uh, maybe invite them to come over to your house for dinner. Let's, let's do some fellowship. Let's invest in our relationships this year because, you know what, a lot of people kind of go, woe is me, no one likes me, no one even really cares about me. Uh, David thought that in verse 142 at the end of verse number 4. He said, no man cared for my soul. And here's the deal. Um, you know, I, I know we can get to that point, but, but let's, let's invest in others. Remember, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. Okay? Uh, it, you want to have friends. You want people to uh, spend time with you. Well, don't sit in the corner and do nothing. Uh, let's take some initiative. You say, I'm not very outgoing. I'm super shy. So do it anyway. Invest in your relationships. First, Second Timothy 1.16. There's a beautiful verse here that uh, Paul uh, talks about somebody in his life that invested in the relationship with Paul. Uh, Paul needed it. And he said in 2 Timothy 1.16, he said, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. He said, For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. So Onesiphorus, I don't, I, it'd, be, it'd be worth kind of learning more about him tonight, but uh, for sake of time, he was just a man who was a blessing to the Apostle Paul and refreshed him. Every time uh, Paul was around this man, he just kind of was like, lifted up and encouraged. Um, and Onesiphorus invested in the relationship with the Apostle Paul. And so that's what I want to encourage all of us to, to be like Onesiphorus this year. Um, and when we're not worried, not sitting there going, well, no one likes me, and we, we get up from our chair and we go, you know what, I'm going to go see who I can be a blessing to this year. I'm going to go find somebody that I can refresh and be a blessing and invest in their lives. And you know what? Pretty soon you're not going to be going, woe is me, because you're too busy trying to be a blessing to others and to serve others. And so I want to encourage all of us this year to invest in your relationships. That's a great way to have some emotional well-being where it's not just about me and what I'm going to get. It's about what I'm giving and what I'm doing to invest. So invest in your relationships. Number three, this is a easier said than done one, but number three, forgive those who hurt you. You're not going to really have emotional prosperity if you're holding in bitterness in your life. Ephesians 4.32. Let's, let's turn over there real quick because I want you to see this verse. It's just good to see it once in a while. Ephesians 4.32. The Apostle Paul writes this, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Look, all of us have been hurt. 
come in or tell them I'll call them right back, okay? Um, all of us have been hurt, okay? There, there's not a one of us who hasn't been offended or slighted in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes it was intentional, sometimes it was unintentional, but every one of us has been wounded. And we have a choice to either carry that, those wounds and those scars and let it define us and cause the cancer of bitterness that eats us from the inside out. We all have that choice. Or instead, we can choose the path of forgiveness. Um, and so what I want to encourage you to do this year is if there's somebody in your life that, you know, when their name comes up, it's like this, this feeling of pain and hurt comes into your heart. Choose to forgive. And again, I know it's easier said than done, but in his book, um, Robert E. Lee, The Last Years, uh, Charles Flood reports that after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee visited a, a Kentucky lady who took him to the remains of a grand old tree in front of her house. And there she bitterly cried that its limbs and trunk had been destroyed by the federal artillery fire. And she looked to Lee for a word condemning the North or at least sympathizing with her loss. I mean, that was her very wonderful, beautiful tree. After a brief silence, Lee said, Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. You see, it is better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain and let bitterness take root and poison the rest of our lives. That's a good thought. So if there's things in your life that you're kind of like, when you get a new friend, it's like, ooh, I get to tell them about my hurts. And maybe they'll take sympathy with me and they'll also have the same feelings that I have. Look, it's better just to tear the dumb tree down and move on with your life and stop letting it be the cancer in your life uh, that will ruin us, will eat us from the inside out. I think about a man in the Bible who was mistreated, who was uh, sold into slavery, left for dead almost, and instead sold into slavery, a man by the name of Joseph. And then how he was lied about in Potiphar's house. He was mistreated left and right, and yet he still chose to forgive. And you know what? If there was ever a guy who could have uh, cause for having emotional despair, it was Joseph. But instead, I think Joseph had emotional prosperity because he chose to forgive. Remember, it was Jesus who chose to forgive as well. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's what he said on the cross of Calvary. So he looked at those who put him there. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was innocent. He didn't do anything wrong, and yet they put him on that cross. And notice this, that Jesus chose to forgive before they even asked for it. A lot of times, here's, here's how we are. They owe me an apology and need to come begging for forgiveness. And then if they ask super sincerely and it's really genuine, then maybe I'll think about forgiving them. That's how we do it when, in our lives. If we've been hurt, well, I'm just going to hold this in until they get right with God and come begging on their knees asking for my forgiveness. Then then maybe I'll think about it. It was Jesus on the cross of Calvary before anybody said anything, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So I want to encourage all of us to forgive, even if they never come asking for it. Remember, your Bible's open to Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Yeah, I believe he forgave us before we ever even asked. Now, we had to come to him believing on Christ, obviously, but at that moment, the forgiveness was given. Jesus chose to forgive before they even asked for it. It was Peter who said, 
very piously, how many times shall we forgive those who hurt us? Seven times? Aren't you proud of me, Lord? Do I get a gold star for the day? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. So keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. I read about a man by the name of Bruce Goodrich. And he was being initiated into the cadet corps at Texas A&M University. And as a part of his initiation, one night Bruce was forced to run until he dropped. That was the initiation. You got to run until you drop and you can't run anymore. And so he did. He ran until he dropped. But sadly, Bruce never got up. You see, Bruce died before he ever even entered into college because of that night that they forced him to run so much. Well, a short time after the tragedy, Bruce's father wrote this letter to the administration, faculty, student body, and the Corps of Cadets. And he wrote this, I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were particularly pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. And then Mr. Goodrich went on to say this, I hope it will be some comfort to know that we harbor no ill will in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his, in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did this happen? Perhaps one answer will be, so that many will consider will they will, where they will spend eternity. And that's quite a letter to send after this college would force my son to do that? Oh, they've got a lawsuit on their hands. But that's not the path that Mr. Goodrich took. He took the path of forgiveness. And I want to encourage us this year, if there's been somebody in your life in the past or even recently, it could even be me who hurt you and offended you, that you would choose to forgive instead of hold that in. Because if it holds you in, goodbye emotional prosperity. But if you choose to forgive, then you're well on your way to having that lifted, that burden lifted. Forgive those who hurt you. And then number four, uh, this is a good one. Mind your own business. Uh, your Bible's open to Ephesians 4. If you'd turn over just a few pages to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. A few pages to the right. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Uh, Paul says to this church at Thessalonica, and he said, that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. To do your own business. Here's a reference for you to write down. Proverbs 26 and verse 17. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. How many of you have dogs at home? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, how many want another dog at home? Raise your hand. Okay, our kids can put your hands down. Uh, okay, because uh, we're looking for uh, potential adoptive people in the church. Uh, I'm looking. Well, I shouldn't say we. <laughs> uh, I think the Mosleys, did you guys have your hand up? Are you guys looking for another, another dog? Okay, that's too bad. Um, but... Uh, Obviously, dogs don't love having their ears pulled, right? And you go up to a dog and yank their ear, they're going to start yelping and biting you. And, and you're going to be going, what happened? Why did you react that way? Well, you didn't need to go and grab that ear. That was your fault. 
And so is the same for those of us who go into a situation that doesn't involve us and we all get up in the business. We don't need to be up in that business because guess what? We're going to get bit in the process. Um, there's a lot of people who like to know what's going on in all the different areas of our lives. You know, there's, there's people in the family. I got to know all the, the, the juicy drama that's going on in the family with the extended family, and, and I got to know what's going on and with all the juicy things going on at work and, and, and in the church. I've got to kind of know it all. Well, the problem is we get bogged down with the, uh, the stress that, that God never meant us to carry. Now, obviously, look, there's a balance. There's two extremes in the situation. Uh, we don't want to be just in our own little corner and doing our own little thing where we don't care about anybody else. But we can get to the point on the other side where it's like, oh, I got to know what's going on. Please oh, tell me about so-and-so and what happened there. And I got to know all the juicy details. There needs to be a balance. Uh, we are to care about others and their spiritual condition. And the Bible says in Galatians to bear one another's burdens. But we're also forbidden in the scriptures from being busybodies and wandering from house to house, all up in everyone else's business. So find the biblical balance of having a loving, caring heart without invading and interfering with situations that don't involve you. Um, gotta love Facebook, right? Um, because a lot of times people air their dirty laundry on there. And uh, that does not help this particular thought here. Um, because they put it all out there for everybody. And, and for those who are part of like neighborhood groups on Facebook, you know, everybody does that. Somebody was saying in our neighborhood, all the, or some people are, their, their yards are a complete disaster. And so now it's like, okay, well, who's he talk, who are they talking about? You know, and, and we start thinking it's probably us. <laughs> we got, we got four cars in our garage, a, a basketball hoop. It's probably us. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, those things can add to this burden that we don't need to carry. So mind your own business. Stay in your lane. Run the race that God has called you to run. And uh, don't be looking at everybody else's uh, path. Stay in your lane. Mind your own business. Number five. All right, if we're going to have emotional uh, prosperity this year, this is a big one take care of your body. Now, we're not going to go too much into this uh, tonight because that's Wednesday night. We'll look more at this. But as we have mentioned already, we are connected beings. In other words, our spiritual life affects our emotional life and our physical life. Each one affects the others. And such was the case for the hungry and tired prophet named Elijah after a spiritual victory on Mount Carmel. Remember, he ran away from Jezebel and ended up sitting under a juniper tree, depleted, depressed, discouraged, and defeated. And what did he need? Well, he needed physical rest and proper diet. And basically, he needed a nap and a happy meal. And uh, once he got that, that helped a lot. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but when I get tired, I get irritable. Um, so I need to be well-rested. And my family knows that. And so um, we, we have a thing, and I, I mentioned this a, a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, but for some who weren't in here, um, years ago, my a friend from California and my church uh, got tickets to go to a Los Angeles Kings game, and uh, that's a hockey game. And so he and I went, and, and, and we're sitting in our seats, and uh, right I'm sitting here, my friend is sitting next to me on my left, and then to his left, there was another guy sitting there. And during the very first period, uh, the entire first period, this, this other guy, who we didn't know, talked with my friend the entire time. And he was like, just talking to him, and you know, you could totally smell his breath, okay? And so the first intermission happens after the first period, and he, my friend turns to me and he says, hey, you want to go get some ice cream? I'm gonna, it's my treat. And I'm like, sure, okay, sounds good to me. So we get up and, and uh, head, head there, and he's like, and we get in line for the, the ice cream. He's like, I didn't really want ice cream so much as I just needed to get away from Boris Needamint. 
And this, this guy had like this Russian accent. And so he, he just nicknamed him Boris Needamint because this guy had bad breath. And so it was just, it was just funny. I, I cracked up at that. And I never forgot that. So when we had our children, um, you know, when they are not very old, um, you can tell when they start getting really tired. And somehow it came to me and I, I connected the two. And so I said, Seth is acting like Boris need a nap. He needed a nap. Like once he gets a nap, he'll be fine. And so we started kind of developing this, this, this little nickname that we have used ever since. So when our kids are acting a little tired and grumpy and whiny, then we're like, are you being a Boris? Um, and then with Faith, we had to change it because she's not a Boris. So we changed it to Doris. So she's a Doris when she needs a nap. And I become a Boris. when. And, and you know what? Some of us, we just... Our Borises walking around, or Dorises walking around, need to get a nap. And Elijah was in that ca- category. He was being a Boris. Um, he needed to go and lay down and rest because he had just gone through a very intense spiritual uh, scenario uh, there on Mount Carmel, and and uh, he was just exhausted physically and depleted spiritually. He needed a nap. Um, now, the time to take a nap is not during church, okay? I uh, should probably put this in here. Um, but some of us, when we get hungry, we don't just get hungry, we get hangry, okay? And uh, so, you know, take care of your body in that way. So, like it or not, how we take care of our bodies actually has a profound impact on our emotional life. And uh, we'll talk more about this on Wednesday night. I do want to encourage you to be here for that. I think it'll be helpful um, because the Bible actually does have quite a bit to say about this topic, taking care of our bodies. And when we're uh, physically healthy, that does translate to our emotions as well. But when our bodies are completely not taken care of, then it's going to spill over into our emotional life as well. So take care of your body. But then number six, Uh, Last thought here, and that is, obey God, not your feelings. Obey God, not your feelings. Our heart and our emotions and feelings don't always tell the truth. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. So Disney's mantra of obey your heart or follow your heart is a complete, bogus, unbiblical piece of advice. Not to burst anybody's bubble in here, but it's true. Uh, One Saturday night a few months ago, I was studying in my office here at the church, and I was getting ready for Sunday and kind of going through my normal Saturday night deal. and I was starting to get hungry, hangry. No, I wasn't getting hangry. I just thought, you know, I could, I, could, I could go for a Big Mac now, or I could go for some Mickey D's, and it's just around the corner here on Eastern. And so I thought, you know, I'll just uh, leave, go, and, 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 and bring what I'm studying, and uh, just kind of change of scenery and go over there and enjoy a little meal. Uh, I won't tell my wife because she's not a big fan of McDonald's, and uh, just go over there and enjoy that meal. Well, I came back. After that, and again, it's Saturday night, it's dark. I come back, and one of the lights is on back here. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I turned off all the lights. Why is there a light on? And there's no cars here. Like, I was thinking, well, maybe maybe Blake's around or something, or maybe Miss Rebecca came by, or... And so, and, and I, did, I did a no-no. I, I thought, well, I'm just going to go and get it and come back. And so I didn't set the alarm. I, but I locked all the doors. The doors were locked. I just thought, well, I don't need to set the alarm because, I mean, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go get it. Well, I decided to stay and, and, and eat there and knowing, you know what, the, the doors are locked. No big deal. Well, I came back and there's a light on back here. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I turned off all the lights. So I come in. I mean, my heart's starting to beat fast. Like somebody's in here. Somebody's back here. Are you guys getting nervous right now? I, I, I was super scared. I mean, the adrenaline's starting to pump. I'm like, hello, is anybody in there? 
And I'm like, opening doors real quick. Uh, okay, no one's in that room. Blake's office, okay, nobody's in there. Uh, and I'm, I'm checking all the doors, and I'm, I'm starting to get nervous and scared. And, and what it was, it was just my feelings were starting to take over, and I was starting to panic, okay? And that's just a silly example that I, that I thought of as I was thinking about this here. But, but when it comes to, okay, and, and I finally realized that I just forgot and I left that dumb light on. I think I was like, well, I must have just left that light on. Why did I do that? That was really dumb because then I came back and I was all scared that somebody was here. That was my fault. Um, so, yeah, no one was here other than me and the Lord. And uh, that was good. I was glad for that. <laughs> uh, but here's the deal. Many times we're not going to feel like doing what God says to do. And can I remind you in James chapter number, I think it's four. Uh, let me, let's turn over there. James real quick. James chapter number four and verse 17. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if the Lord tells us in his word to do something and we kind of don't feel the vibe to do it, and we're just, we're just not emotionally into it, and we don't want to do it, and we don't do it, well, to us it is sin. And so many times we're not going to feel like doing what the Bible says to do. I've talked about a few things tonight, forgiving those who hurt you. Is anyone going to feel like forgiving? Uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone goes, ooh, I really feel like it because they so deserve it. No. We're doing it regardless of how we feel. We, we are to invest in relationships. I can't do that because I don't feel like I can do that. Can I encourage you again to obey God, not your feelings? Because your feelings will eventually follow, but you need to live by faith and take a step of faith uh, first. We may not feel like doing what God says to do, but do it anyway and obey God, not your feelings. I, I think it was Martin Luther who had this little poem. He says, feelings come and feelings go. And feelings are deceiving. He said, my warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. So our feelings will tell us to do something. And many times we are tempted to follow our feelings. But our feelings are not the best guide the Word of God is the best guide. Our, our feelings are, are very deceiving at times, but the Word of God never is. So trust God and obey God, not your feelings. I know I oversimplified a lot of the emotional difficulties that many people deal with, um, but I think that if these would be a great start anyway uh, to uh, getting financial, or not financial, emotional prosperity um, in our lives. So what are they? Think rightly about God, and I think that's, and I believe that's the most important one here. If we have the right thoughts about God as we go through the difficult times and difficult situations we've gone through or we're going through, uh, it'll help us immensely emotionally. Invest in your relationships. Stop looking for what you can get out of those relationships and start looking for what you can give in those relationships. And then forgive those who hurt you. I imagine there's somebody in here tonight or maybe many somebodies who need to forgive somebody who hurt you. Mind your own business. Stop, stop taking on more burdens than are necessary. As I was thinking about this, I talked to my wife about this. I was like, the, the, the thing is, is it's easy to say this to everybody else, but here I am a pastor and I, I do need to know the state of my flock. And I, I don't want to be up in everybody's business, but at the same time, I need to uh, care and know what's going on in, in, in all of the lives. And so it's, it's easy to say for you, and then I, I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite here. You mind your own business, but I, I get to be in everybody's business. <laughs> I, I need to find the right balance as well. Um, and uh, I know that I'm not supposed to carry everybody's burdens in here. Um, that's impossible for any one person to do. Um, but I, I do care about you, and I, and I do want to be 
involved in your life and, 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 and love and invest in you. But then uh, next thought is to take care of your body. Um, some of us aren't doing a very good a job of that, and that's affecting every other area of our lives as well. And then obey God, not your feelings. Our feelings sometimes are stronger because uh, we are feeling them, whereas God, we're not feeling Him. And so um, we just have to obey by faith. And I think as we read through uh, and went through in 2021, the uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we looked at those who lived by faith and took steps of great faith, they did so over their feelings. I'm sure in a lot of those scenarios, they didn't feel like doing it. Abraham sacrificing his son. Yeah, I don't think he went, oh yeah, I'm feeling the vibe today. Let's sacrifice my uh, son that I, I so treasure and is so precious to me. No, he did it. He obeyed God over his feelings. And the others uh, as well did the same thing. So um, hopefully these thoughts will be a help and an encouragement to us to have emotional prosperity uh, this year. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word that gives us instruction in these areas of life. And Lord, these are simple thoughts, uh, not super profound, uh, ones that we all kind of know, but uh, we're not always doing. We're not always applying in our life. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, as we uh, do desire spiritual and emotional prosperity this year, Lord, that we would take heed to the Word of God tonight. Help us to do so regardless of how we feel and help us to take those steps of faith. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss. Uh, Miss Robin here to uh, play through on this um, little chorus, I Love You, Lord, a couple times, and give you an opportunity right there in your seat to uh, make a decision. Um, I imagine the Lord has spoken to hearts uh, tonight, and as, as He has, I want to encourage you to speak back to Him in a prayer of decision, a prayer of um, dedication to Him. And in one of the areas or something else I didn't even talk about, but uh, I'll let you have a time of prayer there in your seat. Mm -hmm. 